In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Oh, good morning. Wonderful to see you all here. Many years ago, many years ago, my former wife and my son and I lived on the campus of Wellesley College, where my, my wife was called the house mom in one of the residence halls there. And for five years, we enjoyed the privilege of living smack dab in the middle of one of the most beautiful college campuses in the country. And as it turned out, they had, I'm sure they do have still, this wonderful ritual every year in the fall. On the night before classes begin, just as the sun sinks below the horizon, they light this enormous bonfire on this beach where the campus is laid out so that as the darkness of the night spreads and deepens, this bonfire grows higher and higher, the flames reaching 20, 30 feet in the air. And then when the darkness is at its deepest, when the bonfire is at its brightest, the women all hold hands and sing songs and shout cheers. Their voices, these exuberant young female voices full of hope and laughter, these voices roll across the waters of the lake and they echo back to shore while the sparks from this enormous bonfire pour into the sky. This ritual is very important because a few months later, in the middle of a long Boston winter, those same students will be hunkered down in their library, heads buried in textbooks and papers and exams. The winter chill will have sunk into their bones, and it is then that their minds will return to the blazing splendor of that bonfire, and they will find, through the power of their memories, that that bonfire still has the power to warm them. For every chill that we have, God has supplied us with a corresponding bonfire of hope. So it is with a similar, similar kind of earnest remembering that the disciples of the early church told and retold the story that we heard this morning of Christ's blazing transfiguration at the mountaintop. In those early days of the church, it certainly did not seem that the cause of Christ was faring well. The disciples were being hunted down and murdered. The established synagogues had driven them out as heretics. The very identity of the church itself was threatened with schism. On those long, dark nights, when the followers of Christ huddled together in caves and in attics, hiding from the soldiers and the informers, they told this story in whispers about how Jesus took Peter and James and John to the top of the mountain to pray and about how before their eyes Jesus became transfigured by this brilliant light and about how Moses and Elijah appeared beside him and they would remember how a bright light 
descended on them and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son, listen to him. During those dark times of the early church, those disciples told and retold that story. And by so doing, they kept the dazzling light of that moment shining in their hearts. And so it was that Peter, many years later, would write to his brothers and sisters about this event. He wrote, We ourselves heard this voice come from the heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. And then he says one of my, one of my most favorite lines in scripture. He says, You will do well to be attentive to this light as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, people do not tend to build bonfires during the day. Bonfires are made for the night. And so, in a way, is the church built to be a blazing light in the darkness. Without darkness, there's really not much need for a church, really. And so it's not surprising during this time, since World War II, this extended time of unprecedented prosperity and optimism, organized religion, not surprisingly, has declined in membership and attendance. The church is not built for times of comfort and ease. Remember the burst of attendance after 9-11. Recall the Great Depression, during which time donations to churches were almost double per capita than they are now. The church is built for times of darkness. We're not afraid of the dark because we have seen this great light and we would do well to be attentive to the light as to a lamp in the darkness. Paul knew all about that darkness and that light as well, of course, riding on his horse on a mission of death, blinded by a light of love and forgiveness and healing. Years later, in the face of mounting persecution and confusion, that light was still burning when he wrote these words of advice to the church in Corinth. He said, For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Since those dark days, you know, every generation of Christians has found, found its own way up the mountain to witness that light. For Thomas Merton, that wonderful contemplative monk and writer, it happened one day when he was standing at the corner of 4th and Walnut in downtown Louisville in 1958. Like a bolt of lightning, he was seized by the sudden joyful realization that he was united to every person walking along that street. Nothing separated them, and he felt overwhelmed by this magnificent love for every human being. As he wrote about this later, he said, 
If only everybody could realize this, but it cannot be explained. There's no way of telling people that they are all walking around, shining like the sun. Words only go so far. There's a Zen saying, it's better to see the face than to hear the name. It's better to see the face than to hear the name. For us, that face is the face of Jesus blazing like the sun, often reflected in our own faces. We don't experience that light by talking about it so much as we experience it by holding hands together and stepping together into the darkness. What is your darkness? Is it addiction? Illness? The fear of death? Perhaps you struggle with hopelessness, despair, loneliness, depression, grief, poverty of spirit. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety about the future. I sure am. Or you're stressed to the breaking point, perhaps, juggling children and aging parents and financial insecurity. Well then, you know what? You've come to the right place. This is the place where you can face that darkness and ask for help. Because you are not alone. And you are not in the dark. We have been here before. We were built for times like this. And we are not afraid. This is why we celebrate Lent which of course begins this Wednesday with the imposition of ashes. Lent is not about darkness. It's about the blazing bonfire of life and love burning in the middle of it, a bonfire lit whenever we step into that darkness together in the name of Christ, holding hands together, singing songs together, and together watching our prayers rise to heaven like so many sparks pouring into the sky. Once our eyes catch hold of that light, our eyes are no longer fixed on the darkness. We can only see the blazing bonfire of divine love and life. That same light that I see this very moment as I look into your faces. Amen.